good morning. <coughs> good morning, Rabotai. Boys and girls. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention for a few moments. Uh, before I make my comments for the Sikha, I have good news to announce, as we usually do at the Sikha, and that is that we have a, a giveaway this morning again, uh, which will be on the front table as you come out. Uh, this is a book, it's called Vahi'eri Vahi Boker, Basically, giving you the proper procedure when you go to sleep at night with Kiryat Shema which is there, we can keep it next to your bed. And when you wake up in the morning, it has the Birchot Shaha, starting from Moda'ani and all the morning blessings. It's actually written in a beautiful laminated fashion, big letters, and also it has the English interpretation on the side. I want to thank... I want to thank the Gindi, Gindi family that has dedicated this for our uh, students in memory of their mother, Mrs. Ruth Gindi, Alea Shalom, that passed away this week. Ruth, Bat Gilsom, Ruach Adonai Tenihena, Began Eden. Just on one note, I knew Mrs. Gindi very well. Uh, she used to come to our classes many years ago when we used to give them an Achayezer. She would call me all the time and uh, give me blessings and ask me questions in halakha and Torah. And um, she's a matriarch of our community, a very, very precious and special woman. The proof is in the pudding. Just look at our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. She saw five generations after her and two generations before her. So uh, again, we should use the book and uh, say the berachot in her memory. Ruth bat gilsom, ruach adonai tenihena began eden. Amen. Well, it's the last siha that we're going to have before Purim. So I would like to direct my comments this morning to an element of Purim that I think is worth your attention. So we know that God obviously is unlimited. And if God wants to bring us salvation, He can bring it in infinite amount of ways. Human beings are always limited by options. As we ask, what are my options? Well, you can either do A, you can do B, you can do C. Humans always have limited doors in front of them to open. However, God, if He wants to accomplish something, ends off. It's unending. It's not like what Elam says, well, I can either do A or B. God can do A to infinity. There's no limitations. But I want to talk about today one method that HaKadosh Baruch Hu uses, and it's to me it's the most fascinating of all methods, when he wants to bring salvation. That method is called V'nahafuch. Does anybody know what V'nahafuch means? Very good. To flip or to reverse or to turn around. Now there's a system that God uses called V'nahafuch and I'll tell you the way it works. And I'll give you a mashal. Sometimes our enemies have plots against us. They try to hurt us. Now God wants to eliminate the enemy before they hurt us. So God could use many methods. 
But the best method is the B'nafuch, where God uses the enemy's method itself that he was trying to use against us, backfires in his face. It's almost like a boomerang. Instead of the boomerang reaching its destination, as we know, it makes a U-turn and comes right back to the person. Example from modern history. There are many cases, unfortunately, in Israel, where terrorists in their garage are planning bombs. And the purpose of these bombs, unfortunately, is to bring it to a populated area of Jews, maybe on a bus, and detonate it. And to kill, God forbid, innocent people. Unfortunately, this is a common occurrence. Actually, it's too common. But you'd be surprised. A lot of times what happens is, the terrorist dies before he's able to materialize his plan. Now, God could kill the terrorist in many ways. He could get a heart attack. He could get a stroke. He could get struck by lightning. A brick could fall on his head. But you know what happens a lot of times? The bomb itself that he was going to use to detonate against the Jews blows up in his face. That's called v'nafoch. The actual method that he was using against us is turned around and upside down and used against him. You understand the method of Anafuch? Can I give you another example in Jewish history of Anafuch? It's one that you know. There's a king called Paro. Paro sees in the stars, or his astrologers tell him, the savior of the Jewish people is going to be born very soon. And it's going to be a boy. So Paro says, very simple. Royal decree, all boys that are born in Egypt at this moment, until further notice, must be thrown into the Nile. What's that going to cause? To drown the future Jewish leader. It's a very simple decree. Now obviously God's not going to let that happen. And God needs to save Moshe from this decree. Now how many options does God have how to save Moshe? Answer. Um, Not a lot. Unlimited. Boreolam could save Moshe in infinite amount of ways. But look at the way he saves him. So Moshe Rabbeinu was thrown into the Nile, like everybody else. Batya, the daughter of Paro, that day, goes down to the Nile in order to bathe, and she sees the basket. She ends up taking the basket, has mercy on the child, and before you know it, where is Moshe? He's sitting on Paro's lap. And Paro is feeding him and burping him and raising him. And it turns out, as a result of Paro's decree, his decree actually not only did not kill the Savior, but his decree actually was the responsibility of actually saving him. So that's a case of Benahafuch. It was a reversal. It boomeranged. He said, I'm going to use the water to drown. And God said, great idea. I'm going to use the same water that you're going to try to drown the leader to save him. Anyway, Moshe Rabbeinu grows up in the palace of Paro. Eventually he would become a leader. Now you know, boys and girls, a leader is something you have to have training. Who ends up training Moshe to be a leader? Paro. He was raised in the house of a king. So not only this... The plan backfire on Paro. Paro ends up giving Moshe a free education on leadership that one day will be used against Paro. That's what's called the boomerang.
or in Megillat Esther language, the Vinahafuch. Paro scratching his head. I was trying to drown him, and as a result of my decree, I actually saved him. Vinahafuch. Are we clear? Now let's go to Megillat Esther. What I'm telling you now is in the first Pedic. So, Vashti is summoned by the king. Come to the men's party, dressed or undressed. And this is Hashverosh's will. He was drunk, him and his friends. Of course, Vashti, I shouldn't say of course, she probably wanted to come to the party because she was a modest girl. But something was in her brain and ultimately said, I'm not coming. She defies the king. The king is so angry. Not only did she embarrass me, but in front of all my friends, the king was furious. He was burning. And now the question is, what to do? What to do with this defiant wife? So what does he do? He goes to his advisors. And Megillat Esther tells us, he went to so many advisors. Hachamim, Itim, and then it tells us the name of seven advisors. Karshena, Shetar, Admata, Tarshish, Meres, Marsena, Memuchan. And he's asking advice what to do. Haman, who actually was called Memuchan at that time, says, I have the advice. What does he tell the king? At this moment, Haman will give Ahasuerosh advice that one day would come to bite Haman himself. The advice that he would say is, you're a king. You're a monarch. You're a dictator. You don't have to ask advice. Only democracies need to ask the Senate and the House of Representatives. They need approval from other branches of government. But you're a dictator. You're the Fuhrer. And the Fuhrer doesn't have to ask Anybody. Haman basically was saying, you decide it. Just let a royal decree be passed by the king, sign it and seal it, and whatever you say, we will follow. Now, you can imagine how happy Ahasuerus is to hear that one of his advisors basically is now elevating him to a supreme ruler and a dictator that has no one to answer to. Eventually, the other seven advisors say, yes, we, we agree with Haman. Therefore, don't ask us any more questions. You can do whatever you want. Now watch this. Was Ahasuerus happy about this new power? Absolutely. Because if anybody ever tasted power, power is like a drug. The more you get, the more addictive it is. And but all of a sudden, Ahasuerus now is feeling unlimited. Let me tell you a story what happened. We just learned in the ninth grade Gemara. Bektam Bateresh are the two uh, guards of the king. They make a plot to kill the king. Assassination attempt. Who hears about the assassination? Mordechai. Beautiful. Mordechai tells Esther, go tell the king about the attempt. Sure enough, Esther tells the king in the name of Mordechai. Ashverosh investigates and finds out that the information is credible, that really there was an attempt to kill him. And what does he do? He kills Bikhan Bateresh. And then what does he do? The next pasuk says, he elevates Haman to a high position. Hold it. The mathematics doesn't work over here. Mordechai saves the king's life. Ahasuerosh kills Bikhan Bateresh. 
because it was credible. And who gets the reward? Haman. After he kills Bektan Bateresh, Gidala Melech Hashroshet Haman. It doesn't make any sense. You know what the explanation is? Before Ahasuerus had supreme power, he would not be able to kill Bektan Bateresh on his own. He would have to go to the Supreme Court. He would have to have a court case. It would take six months. They would have to investigate. Now all of a sudden, Ahasuerus is starting to use the power that who gave to him? Haman. The Pasuk says, he heard about the decree, he kills Bektan Bateresh. Ahasuerus says, wow, that feels good. I can just kill people at will. I don't have to ask anybody. Before Haman gave me this power, it would be a whole drawn out story. Who knows when Bektan Bateresh would ever be killed. Now, I kill him on the same day. He started to taste the drug that Haman offered him. So therefore, who gets the reward in the Hasmerosh's mind? Haman, you're elevated. Thank you. I now put your new power into practice. You following so far? Beautiful. Now let's fast forward the story. You're going to see the biggest boomerang you ever saw in your life. The classic V'nahafuch. Haman makes a decree to kill all the Jews. It's a diabolical plan. He wants to kill all of us. Not like Hitler. Hitler wanted to kill all the Jews, by the way. You have to know that. He was even planning on coming to America. That was in the plan. They found it in his books. His plan was to kill the Jews, but at least Hitler, Yemachshemo, gave himself seven years to do it. Haman was much more bold and much more aggressive. He said, I'm doing it in one day. That means you wake up Monday morning, there's Jews. Tuesday morning, not an endangered species, but extinct. He'll solve the Jewish problem in one day. And he sent the letters out, and everything is planned, 13th of Adar, and we're in trouble. Queen Esther finds out about the plan from Mordechai, and now she has a plan. Invite him to a party, and at the party, she's going to expose him. Come to the party. Haman's all high about himself. Look at this, just me and the queen. We're at this cocktail party, nobody else is invited. I'm a hashuv guy. They're drinking, they're happy. Finally, Hasmerosh turns to uh, Esther. What do you need? You asked me to come to a party. Ask me so I can fulfill your request. And now she turns to Haman. It's him. He wants to kill me and my people and my nation. He could for nothing. Right away, Hasmerosh is furious. What? And then he walks out on his porch because he was burning. He needed to get some fresh air. And Haman starts to beg Queen Esther, please don't do this to me, I'll do anything to you. And the angel pushes Haman on Esther's bed. So when Ahasuerosh walks back in, he sees now Haman on the bed. Now you want to take my wife also? Now you're committing it. Right away he says, we have to get rid of you. Who walks in? Harbona, one of the advisors. I have a good idea. There's a gallows. Look at those trees, a big tree over there. The king says, great idea. Kill him. In one day, even less, Haman is killed immediately. And who gave Ahasuerosh the power to kill immediately without having to ask anybody? Haman. The boomerang. If Haman wouldn't have given him that advice, what would have happened? Investigation on Haman. And guess what? If they would have investigated Haman, there were so many anti-Semites in Parasumadai, they probably would have said, Ah, he's innocent, and they wouldn't let him go. 
But because Ashrush did not have to ask anybody, as a result of Haman giving him ultimate supreme power, that supreme power would ultimately bite Haman in the nose. That's called Benahapokhu. God could have killed Haman in many ways. But he wants to show, the method that you used, I'm going to use it against you. Now let's talk about dice. <laughs> Not the dice that our members are used to talking about. This is the dice of Haman. Haman used to roll dice. So if any of our members roll dice, you're in good company. Haman, he was from Amalek. His grandfather was a guy called Agag. Aleph, Gimal, Gimal. Agag. Let me teach you a lesson about dice, Sapotai. Do you know that when you look at the dice, whatever number's on top, the bottom number will always make both numbers equal to seven. If you see a one on top, what's the number on the bottom of a one? Very good. If you see a three on top, what's the number on the bottom? If you see a five on top, what's the number on the bottom? Exactly. Dice always equal seven from top to bottom. Okay, you learned something. I hope that's not the only thing you remember from today's class. Anyway, Haman takes three dice. Being the grandson of Agag, he wants to see if he's going to be lucky. He rolls, he throws them on the table. The luckiest number for Haman came out. One, three, three. Why is one, three, three lucky? One is what letter in the alphabet? Three is? Three is? So one, three, three actually is Agag. What a number. That's lotto for Haman. That's powerful. You roll a one, three, three. That gave the indication to Haman, I'm winning this against the Jews. But God says, but I'm using the Nahafok rule now. I'm using the turnover rule, the turnabout. So God turned the dice over. When you turn a three over, what number do you have? A four. What letter is that? Dalid. When you turn a six when you turn a one over, what letter, what number do you have? That's a vav, dalit vav. When you turn the three over again, you have a, what letter is that? David, dalit vav, dalit. V'nahafuchu, God turned, there you go. God turned the dice over. A one, three, three becomes three, six, Becomes 464, four, which is actually the letters of David. God says, you think you're going to use those dice as an omen to kill Jews? But now for who? Agag turns over to David, which is us, and B'nai Yisrael over power. Learn the lesson. For the Olam, it says in the Haggadah of Pesach, and I'll conclude with this. Bechol dor vador. Finish it. You can even sing it if you want. Bechol dor vador. Omdim alenu. Now explain. The Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Matzilenu, Matzilenu, Miyadam. The Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Matzilenu, Matzilenu, Okay? All right. The Bank of David Choir. You did good. Very proud of you. What does it mean? 
What does it mean by Kadosh Baruch Hu Matzlinu Miyadam? Simply, Hashem saves us from their hands. Hashem saves us from the hands of Paro. Hashem saves us from the hands of Haman. But now we have a deeper explanation. Hashem saves us. But with whose hands does He use? He uses their hands to save us. Hashem saved us using Paro's hand. He made the decree, throw them into the water, and God says, great, from the water we're going to save Poshet. Haman makes a decree, you're unlimited. Great, Miyadam, we're going to use your hands to kill you. Your unlimited decree that you gave to Hasverosh will end up being your demise. V'nahafoch, That's the lesson that we're learning today. Yishtabach God has so many methods, but the most special one is the method of the boomerang. And now, good news. Late-breaking news. I want to congratulate the girls of the yeshiva, Nashim Tzadkaniyot. I'll say it in public, there are no girls in the community like our Magna David Yeshiva High School girls. They are the most righteous and the most pure and the most special. I will testify, before you get married, girls, let them call me, and I will make sure to give you the best recommendation that you deserve and earned. Our girls, Baruch Hashem, are saying Tehillim every day. They're finishing the book. Twice a day, we have a list of over 300 people, yes, that are benefiting. So as a gift from the rabbi to the girls of the yeshiva before Purim, I have printed a Tehillim book in your honor. It says, MDY, Project Tehillim, all the girls. On the way out, please take number one, your Birchot HaShahar, that's for everybody. And the girls enjoy the Purim gift. Take a Tehillim book and make sure you use this book for your project. Shabbat Shalom, Purim Sabayah. The boys get one for